Hello everyone, welcome back to a podcast from Anise. This episode we talked to Mark Ken too about his upcoming film Massacre Academy. Unfortunately the audio in the beginning and my audio was lost, but please enjoy this episode. It was great talking to Mark and uh, this one starts off with Mark and Carrie talking about what got him into filming. It has been established that persons who have recently died have been returning to life and committing acts of murder. The unburied dead are coming back to life and seeking human victims. Ten second commercial, we would do like a little, you know, two minute narrative thing. And I never forgot how it felt to show my dad, like when he came home on his break, like his 10, 15 minute break to get something to eat. We would pop the tape in real quick and be like, oh, this is what we did. And he would laugh his ass off. And, you know, and it was just, it was such a great, like immediate gratification of like, yeah, we did a good job, you know. And you just kind of get hooked on that when you're a kid. And as you get more comfortable, you start trying different things with, you know, with acting and, and it just all grew from there. But yeah, it was just, as simple as just wanting to impress your parents at some some point in your life, you know. So, so, um, so the, the getting a video camera, I guess that was kind of the start of it. What about writing? What made you want to like, like write your own? Uh, writing was a little bit different. I mean, I really it was more out of the necessity than anything else. Because um, I really didn't think I was a writer. I, I didn't start really writing anything. I mean, I wrote short stories, but. Um, I could definitely see narratives in my head and I could, I could see you know, scenes and things like that when I was writing short stories when I was a kid, but I didn't really understand like how to write a script. I didn't do anything. And then my brother went to UT film school and he came back uh, one semester and he had a big, huge book that they were studying and it had the format for screenwriting. And I was like, well, let me just kind of read through this. And I'll never forget. It was the first, the first thing I ever read like an official script was the script for taxi driver. And I had to have been maybe 15, 16. And I remember reading that and going, wow, it reads like a novel almost. And I was like, I I can, I can write that. Um, I can write all that description and, you know, kind of go into detail. And then you see taxi driver and it, you know, there's hardly any dialogue. It's hardly, and it's all on the screen. And, you know, it's, that's what made me kind of think, oh, this is different than, you know, writing a book. You don't need all that description. You can just write shots. You can do this, you can do that. And so then it kind of freed me up to start writing and, you know, just saying, well, this is what I see in my head and I'll just write each shot. And if it changes on the day, then it changes. Um, but that was kind of the beginning stages. And then after that, you just start trying different things and, and move from there. What do you, what do you find harder when you're, when you're writing a script? Is it the, dialogue or like um like scene descriptions and you know scenes and all that uh to be honest with you i always feel like my dialogue is probably one of my stronger suits and so uh, so i i come from a stage background so i feel really comfortable kind of writing the interaction between people i'm okay with that um i think what i always kind of struggle with and this happened this happened on every movie for me is I always struggle with, does this scene feed into the next scene? Like it, to me, it can never be just kind of compartments of a movie and go, well, this is a cool scene. This is a cool scene. This is a cool scene. 
for me, narratively, things have to make sense and they have to kind of fall in a very specific way. And it has to be an A to B to C. Um, and sometimes I fall into that trap where I'm like, well, that's a great scene. Let me write that. And then I write the end of you know, something else later on. And I go, well, then how the hell do I get from that point to that point? And how do I make it make sense? Um, so I always have a problem with bridging things and making things make sense um, because I want things to feel justified. Uh, I don't want to feel, I don't want to have it feel like we're kind of just having things happen because they look cool or, you know, uh, we're in the Michael Bay school of filmmaking where it's just like, and then it's nighttime because I don't give a shit and right. kind of transition for no reason. It, to me, it has to make sense. It has to be, you know, kind of the building blocks have to be there and then you have to take the next step. So. So do you, do you write linear or do you like, Oh, I've got a great ending. Now let me build to that. You know, and it happened with with uh, Massacre Academy is for the most part, I will write linear uh, and I'll kind of write you know, the next thing. So that way I kind of jump off things and go, oh, yeah, I, I did. You know, I have to pay that thing off that I set up in that scene. Um, but on the rare occasion, you're absolutely right. Like I will write just one specific scene. Like I'll, I'll go back and say, you know what? I know I've got these 10 scenes over here, but I really want to like for some reason there's a piece of music that I'm listening to that day that just hits me the right way. And I have to get that scene out. And sometimes I'll just go, you know what, I'm just going to focus on this one scene and I'll, I'll bridge it later. I'll make it make sense later. But right now, this is that one. Scene. So. What about your characters? Are they, uh, do you, do you tend to base characters on people that you know, or do you find it easier just to make the entire character up? Uh, you know, it, it's being somebody who's watched so many damn movies in my life. I tend to not base people on on people that I know, but I, I wind up starting from archetypes that I've seen in in other movies, and I kind of say, well, that kind of voice and that kind of persona would fit good in you know this particular uh, this role for you know for this kind of thing that I'm about to write a script on. So I'll kind of base things off of, you know, things that I've seen in other movies and go, you know what, let me write with that voice in mind. Um, so it's not necessarily people that I take inspiration from, um, although I, I do wind up kind of, I listen to people's personal stories. So like, say, for instance, there was a, a movie that we did when I was back in Texas, and it was a superhero movie called Now Hiring. And I'd written a character who was kind of supposed to be within that group of superheroes. It was supposed to kind of be the default Batman uh, of the, the movie. And when I met the, the actor that played him, his name's Jason Scarborough. When I met him, we just talked. There, there was a, a part of the uh, audition process where we just sat and we just talked. And we talked for hours. And he let me know like where he came from, you know, what his focus was with making movies and why he wanted to be an actor and the more i pull the more i listened to him the more i was like you know what your personal story needs to go in here somewhere like the the beats of your life need to kind of inform what happens with that character and i went back and i did a couple of passes and rewrites um, which drove people crazy but i was like this has to be right and so when i finished the script it was like, if you watch that movie, that literally is him becoming like an actor and, you know, going from a kid who wanted to play one thing. And now all of a sudden at the end of the movie, he is that thing. Um, and that was really kind of based on how Scarborough kind of grew up and how I grew up. So like I said, so I, I 
once I'm in the process with an actor, that's when I start taking from them personally and going, I, I really want to invest your life into this character as well. So. That's pretty cool. Now, after, I guess after now, now hiring, I guess, was that your first feature? Uh, that was actually by that point, that was my second. I had made one uh, feature movie before that, and it was a, uh, a serial killer movie back in Texas uh, called Echo. We made it on a nothing budget. Um, like I said, we shot it like on a Canon XL1 at the time. Um, and it was, it was okay. It was the first thing that I ever had picked up uh, for distribution. And it didn't really go anywhere. Like any indie filmmaker, like we got screwed over by our distributor at the time. Um, there's a lot of BS behind the scenes. And um, so it wound up not doing anything really. But, um, but yeah, now hiring was the first time I had a proper budget. I had a proper crew you know, behind us. Uh, and even then I was still kind of learning as I was going. So, uh, but that was like my first proper, like we had a SAG actor and we had, you know, things we had makeup and we had, you know, costumes and stuff. So that was my first big, uh, big actual feature. So, yeah. And after that was elite. Yeah. After that, uh, Scarborough and I, the, the actor I was talking about, yeah, we wound up kind of, uh, falling in movie love on, on that movie. And, kind of during the course of the movie, making the movie towards the end, we, we kind of sat back and talked and we were like, you know, what are you going to do? What's your, what's your next movie? And you know, what do you want to do next after this? And we kind of got to talking and we wound up doing uh, a, a bit of a collaboration on two different ideas that we both had, um, which wound up becoming elite, which is kind of like a military thriller. And it was a throwback to like the eighties action movies. And, you know, uh, so it's kind of like a buddy cop movie. It's kind of almost like last boy scout. Uh, bit of Top Gun in there and you know so just kind of uh, like I said just an old school throwback you know good guys versus bad guys and you know let's let's go to war so, so sounds good I'm gonna have to try to track some of these down <clears throat> are they available anywhere right now or yeah actually through Amazon I had one of our actors send me a link the other day uh, believe it or not but he was uh, I think he found it through Amazon I know Elite and Now Hiring are on Prime if I'm okay, not mistaken cool. Um, but yeah, I think you can still order them. Uh, probably, I know there's a bunch of copies on, on eBay. Like I, I've, I've seen those links pop up as my suggested things to view. And I'm like, wow, okay, cool. That's one of my movies. So, but, All right, uh, so yeah, you, you can find them somewhere. Okay, cool. I have to look them up. So what, um, what was the inspiration behind Massacre Academy? Uh, the inspiration behind it really, honestly, at that point in my life, um, I was kind of coming out of a really, we're allowed to curse, right? Oh yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> so I was coming out of a really shitty time uh, in my life. We had just moved up to, to Pittsburgh and um, just kind of, uh, I had had some personal issues that I had had to overcome. And um, I had just done a short film as my first thing back, um, kind of back in the saddle directing. And I wanted to prove to myself that I could be responsible and I could you know, be efficient on set. And so we had a great experience making that short film. It was called Last Man. Um, it was a little quick, you know, nine minute werewolf uh, short film. And I had met uh, Miranda Chapman, who's our makeup artist. And I met her on that movie and we hit it off. Like the, the day she showed up is the first day I've met her and she's doing makeup. And like, we're just like, where have we been in each other's lives? Like this just makes sense already. And so probably a couple of weeks later, I finished editing 
and I was sitting at work uh, at the time and I just kind of thought to myself, I was like, I want to do this the right way. I want to go back and I want to make a feature. And I just had to take a step back and I was doing a lot of self-evaluation at the time. And I just thought to myself, I was like, what do I love? You know, why, why am I making movies to begin with? Why am I here? And you know, what are the things that made me fall in love with being in film to begin with? Like when I was a kid. And I was like, well, I grew up in the 80s. You know, I was born in 78. And I was born in the 80s. My brother and I, you know, we, we made short films where I was covered in ketchup constantly. And, uh, and then I loved strong women. I loved, you know, comedy and, you know, just a mashup of, you know, horror genre and, you know, other things like action movies and comedies and stuff. So, and I just thought about it. And I was like, well, then whatever my next movie is, I want it to have all those things all those components have to be there no matter if it's difficult to do a time you know time specific period piece but i want those things to be there because i want to fall in love with making movies again and so then the more i thought about it i was like well then let me go back and let me think about like the, the things that i've done you know other scripts that i had written when i was a kid and i had written a scene in one movie that was just kind of a party massacre and it didn't really go anywhere. Didn't make much sense at the time. I was maybe 18 or 19. And I started to, to look at that and I was like, there's something there and I don't know what it is, but there's something there that speaks to me. And if I can make it something that has to do with the eighties and slashers and, you know, blood and guts, then maybe I can jump off that. And that literally was the first scene that I, I went and I wrote because that was the, 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 the genesis for everything. And it's the party massacre that takes place probably about, 20 30 minutes into the movie now um it's a massive scene there's a lot of blood there's a lot of guts there's a lot of gore and that was the first thing that i was like whatever that movie is that's what i want to do and then after that i kind of took a step back i took about a month off, uh, to, to really put my brain around it and just started sketching storyboards and started writing things about characters and all of a sudden it was there and you know i after about maybe like three months of consistent thinking on it, the, the, the meat and the bones were there and it just needed a, a little punch up, but it was, it was there already. So. So there was no like I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think how to like word it. Um, was it like, was it, um, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to put it. Um, so you, you weren't like, so you weren't out to make a horror movie, right? It was kind of like, uh, I've got this one scene that I'm going to base it on, or? I, th I think I was at that point because I had had so much fun when we did Last Man um, because that was one of the first times I had really had practical effects. Um, and one of our actors had his neck ripped open and his blood burned out. And that feeling on the day when we got some of those shots, like, I felt like a kid again. And I was like, this is... I want to be covered in blood. I want to be on set, just making a mess. And so I think deep down, I, I, I wanted to make a horror movie because I wanted partially just an excuse to be covered in blood and, you know, make things look icky and stuff. But, you know, uh, knowing that Miranda had the capability to pull it off, like made it easier to go, yeah, we're doing whatever we do moving forward has to have that horror component. And, you know, that way we can showcase her skills too. Um, and so I think I went into it, even with that little blip of an idea, it, it started that process of 
going, oh yeah, we are making an, an 80s horror movie for sure. So okay, cool. How did you uh how did you get Shanti Phillips involved? Who? Who's Shanti that? Phillips. Who's Shanti Phillips? Is he is he not in is he not gonna be in <laughs> Massacre County? No, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. Oh, okay. no, I'm sorry, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, Sean actually contacted us when we were um we were starting our Indiegogo campaign and he had mentioned he was like, you know, hey, I'm an actor, you know, take a look at my reel. And he sent me his link and he sent like there's so much that he's done. Yeah, he's been in like thousands. Of yeah, <laughs> of exactly. And, and the fact that he has, like I said, his, his followers on YouTube and everything, and it was and at the time we were looking for someone, there's a, a role in the party massacre, like I said, that we we ultimately got him for. But the amount of stuff that he had done, like it, it, the moment you you look at his reel and you look at what he sent me at the time, I was just like, you get it. Like you you get what the genre is about. You get what you know making movies is about. And more importantly, he also understands promotion. He I mean, so there's so many components that he brings to the table already. And so, like I said, we had that conversation over about a week or so. And uh, yeah, so like I said, that it was and it was it was probably one of the easiest cast castings throughout the movie. So like I said, so Sean's sean he's awesome so yeah i love his i watch his youtube videos all the time he's yeah i, I really get into him i think uh aaron's trying to join back in here aaron you got any oh questions? there he is we lost him i think i think he i think he keeps we, we had this problem before we keep dropping in and out oh goodness there can he is us? are you still there can you hear us aaron can you hear us <laughs> i don't think he can hear us <laughs> no it's probably the same problem i was having earlier yeah um that's all right what about the rest of the cast? Are they are they are they unknowns? Or these are is this their first film? Uh, no, so yeah, the the uh, the cast themselves, like I said, they're they're all seasoned professionals from up here in Pittsburgh. Um, so we've got um, we've got James Leary first and foremost, who's from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, I've worked with James before, and he's just absolutely amazing. Um, but then beyond that, we've got Jess Euler, who's you know a local actress here, uh, Brian Saponis, Rick Dutros, Stephanie Swift, um, and then we've got like I said, a few other people that are newcomers to to making movies. But do not let that fool you. I mean, they are absolutely talented. Sierra Mitchell's one of our leads, Christina Kowski. They are amazing, and their screen tests alone, like I said, just off of that, I was like, you're perfect. This is exactly who I, I needed for that role. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, most of the people that we have here are local. There's some people that are flying in from Texas that I've worked with before. Um, and, and I know that what they bring to the table and they're amazing. So, uh, like I said, we've got such a diverse cast and it's like I said, and it's all people who are fans of the genre and they understand how to, they understand what goes into making a horror movie and how to sell, you know screaming the, the blood and the guts and all that stuff so, so yeah we're, I, i'm just i'm i can't wait to get on set because i know we're gonna have a good time right right i think uh, i think aaron's back in i think he's joining his phone aaron can you hear us is that yes right? <laughs> do you have any questions that you probably didn't get to ask earlier <laughs> uh, i mean golly y'all could probably covered a lot because i was absent so my uh, name is mark <laughs> nice to meet you yeah how are you <laughs> No, I, I see that um, the following's great on the group. Um, you know, I, I know y'all talked about uh, some previous uh, projects you were already involved in. I thought the superhero thing was a neat idea. I I hadn't seen that one. 
um, I kind of dabbled a little bit into what you uh, did previous, but um, I know Carrie asked what got you into directing and all that stuff. I didn't really, <laughs> but uh, now I'm, I'm just excited for the film. So what made you come up with this idea, I guess? I don't know if he asked you that. Uh, he did, yeah, but uh, I'll, I'll kind of go over it again. But uh, yeah, I was just letting him know that it was it was really kind of, it just grew out of a love of one, wanting to fall back in love with making movies uh, after having kind of a hard personal time um, in, in, yeah. in my life. But falling back in love with movies, wanting to have everything be practical. Um, and then, like I said, just kind of going down the list of like, what are the things that make me, me? and thinking about 80s style, uh, which is even just in my personal life, like that's part of me anyway. So I'm that douchebag that walks yeah. out with aviators and like, <laughs> get out of here. I'm like, whatever, I don't care. That was amazing. But, uh, but yeah, like I said, it was, it was really just, it, part of it selfishly is, is me just trying to say, here's who I am as a person and just trying to put that on the screen as well. So. All right, so I know that like, I'm, I remember when the Indiegogo campaign started and of course it was yeah. before the pandemic. So I know <laughs> that that's had a, you know, a pretty big impact on, you know, probably starting the fit, you know, actually filming everything. Um, so how do you think that even when we come out of this pandemic, how do you think that it's going to change independent filmmaking? Are you like, are you learning anything new or new ways to do stuff because of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, at this particular point, one, uh, obviously safety is a major issue. Um, and we've kind of looked and we've taken some of our cues from, I know we've had some people point out that uh, Nevada's already opened up, like they've submitted permits for, for filmmaking already. Um, they're, they're giving permits, I should say, uh, for filmmaking already. And then other states are starting to kind of open up with, with slightly eased restrictions. So we're kind of taking our cues off of that and saying, okay, well, let's make sure we have, you know, breaks for sanitizing and for hand washing uh, consistently um, and then really honestly it's just kind of about keeping our numbers down on, on set as well and just trying to say okay I know you know there's the, the, the thought of we need to have absolutely we have to have 20 people on set because I need to have 10 production assistants and I need to have this and I do that and looking at it and just going we can get away with with only eight people on set, you know, we've got to have somebody dedicated to sound, we've got to have, but, you know, at the end of the day, I do my own lighting, I shoot anyway, and it really is about me being more prepared on set, you know, I've already sent out shot lists, you know, we're three months away, and I've already got shot lists, I've already got, you know, what color temperature I'm going to be at, and I'm, so it's, it's really just kind of working through and just saying, I don't need 10 people to do that job for me, I've already done it, um, so it just kind of, you know, and it kind of speaks to that indie guerrilla filmmaking spirit anyway that, that kind of have. but uh, but like I said just trying to be as safe as possible because we even had our uh, autograph session the other day with our actresses and even then like I said we, we wanted to keep that to a minimum as, as much as possible so like I said so we've tried to keep our numbers down and say let's let's not risk anybody you know if we don't have to so I think a question that was raised earlier on Facebook that I saw was, uh, how are they going to film sex scenes from now on? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> very carefully. You know what? Just do it very creatively. A forced perspective, maybe. There you I go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I've, I've been seeing you, you've been posting a lot of test footage of your, your, I guess your new camera and some lenses. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Which, we've gotten uh, really lucky. 
what camera what camera was it do you have that you're using for this film so we're gonna wind up actually shooting on the canon c100 um which is has just blown my socks off so like i said it's uh, I, I won't get too nerdy and technical on it but um like i said it's it's a beast of a camera and we're actually pairing it with anamorphic lenses so to me like i said that's always been a hallmark of 80s filmmaking anyway is the anamorphic look and the bokeh and the you know streaks the flares and things like that so um so we we've, we've gotten really lucky with, with some of the the equipment that's kind of fallen into our lab so, but uh but yeah like i said we we've just what we can do with that camera and i'm already in love with it so you can get geeky with it because I'm geeky about stuff like that. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, it's it's the fact that, like I said, there's so much included in that one camera. It's it's, it's, a, it's a, such a workhorse. It's got you know neutral density filters. It's a super 35 sensor, um, so it's giving us shallow depth of field. There's so much control that you have of your image now. Um, and I was honestly, I was fully prepared to shoot DSLRs uh, at one point, and we had a chance to go out and get this, you know, out of our own pocket. And it was like, kind of have to like, this is, this is a necessity, you know? So, um, and luckily, I mean, I, I wish we were shooting 4k. We just don't have the budget for it uh, or the, the workspace, the workflow for it. Like I said, it's just, it eats up so much space in your computer. Um, I just, I, I personally can't afford to do that. So like I said, but the, the Canon C100 is, perfectly fine does the job how i want it so i recently picked up what i picked up a 58 millimeter telephoto lens for my phone it's made by that company moment you ever heard of them i haven't heard of that no. yeah it just is a little here i'll show it to you it's a little lens just attaches right to my case the phone case let me let me get it out here it's in a little case here see i've seen anamorphic lenses there's a company called vid atlantic they actually make them for your phone they make little anamorphic. So I'm wondering if it is it kind of like yeah, that. See? There it's you good. go. It's a 58 millimeter. That's amazing. And it just snaps right on the back of the phone. They they have a special phone case that holds it. Yeah. So yeah. See, that's, and that's the other thing too. Like I said, in helping keep our numbers down. I mean, there's so much technology out there. Like I said, we can kind of get away with having fewer people on set as long as you work smart. You know, and that's, that speaks to it right there. I mean, that's just amazing. So that yeah. wasn't there. 10 15 years ago so. right <laughs> yeah aaron you got any other questions uh not really i wish i didn't have these problems man aaron's like get him off uh, get him off now i know <laughs> i i just uh no i i i always say i admire people that just go in and they 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 make their movie you know they just get an idea they put it out there and I, I've seen different people. They got different, you know, it, it seems to be, I'm, I'm not going to say a trend, but a lot of people are making these, these movies that are, you know, that meant something to them, you know, seeing Jason and Freddie yeah. and all that stuff. And they're like, man, I want to make my own slasher. Cause I mean, if you're a horror fan, you want to do that. Yeah. I yeah, mean, absolutely. you can't fault anybody for trying that. And I, I actually love it. I really do. And um, I always ask, like, how did you come up with, you know, I always find it interesting, like, the different looks that the that people come up with for the killers right. and their weapons and stuff. I mean, what kind of inspired you for the look of the, you know, um, the Carney, I guess, is he yeah. Carney or Mr. Carney? Or Carney, the uh, killer clown. 
Yeah. Carney the Killer Clown. Yeah, that's yes. that's what we've affectionately named him. So, um, okay. honestly, like it, it was, it was the silhouette. It, it, that's what I started off with, and it was the color scheme. Uh, the one that's always stuck with me the most is the color scheme for which doesn't feel like it hasn't really changed much anyway, but specifically the way Michael Myers look in Halloween four. It's, it's that kind of the, the, the white face and the, the kind of bluer, you know, coveralls or overalls, whatever he's wearing there, but jumpsuit. And it's just the way that that all to me, like I said, it just, that was the first kind of silhouette. I want that particular color scheme for sure. Um, but then in terms of the, the, the face, like it, we were coming just off of, you know, it at the time. And I was like, well, maybe clowns are cool. And, you know, but you wanted it to look different. You wanted it to look, you know, kind of fucked up and weird and yeah. craggly. Um, but to be fair, like I said, I actually wound up, like I found just before we came on, I actually found my little book that I wrote. Like this is my little sketchbook from like 2017. Oh, wow. And I literally, these were the first sketches that I put up together of the guy. And so when I put these together, I was just like, this is kind of what I'm seeing in my face, in in my, in my mind's eye. And then Miranda, like I said, God bless her. She just took it and went, I got it. Don't worry about it. I know what you're talking about. And she created that thing and she added so many different little nuances to it. And originally, I think, like I said, I, if you look at the sketches, like I've got like a clown nose on him. And she was like, well, what if we went with actual human nose? And she kind of turned it up a little bit to where it has like almost like a pig feel to it. And it's little things like that where I'm like, I would have never thought to do that. But that's amazing. Like, and it looks different. It looks weird and it looks gross. And you're like, it's just kind of, it's human, but it's not human. And it's like, it's asymmetrical. Like his ears are just slightly off a little bit. and. You know, that's the the look of the mask is all Miranda. Like I said, I gave her a basic starting off point, and she just took it and ran from there. So, no, I I really dig it. Yeah, yeah. I really dig the look, and and you know, just like you said, you know, growing up seeing all this stuff. I mean, everybody's influenced by it, but you make it your own. Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of people are doing, and I respect them for it. I really do. Well, as you, I mean, I respect you for that as well. I mean, it's just, you get an idea, you you come out with it and say, you know, here it yeah. is. Um, I've seen the following. It looks great. I mean, we're behind it 100%. And we appreciate that. Yeah. And, and go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, kind of jumping off of what you're talking about, just kind of making it your own. It yeah. is one of those things where you kind of have to say, yeah, here's the genre. Here's the, 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 the sandbox I want to play in. But why is this so special? Why is it? What is it about that that makes it me? Yeah. You got to bring you to the table eventually. And one of those things, like I said, I mean, we've got—I don't think I've sent you guys copies of the script or anything—but like, I, I, there's a few twists and turns. I mean, so it, it's not just a straightforward, you know, slasher. Um, like, so we've okay. got some twists and turns, and you know, like I said, and that—that that speaks to how I want to kind of surprise audiences and kind of keep everybody on their feet. But you know, at the end of the day you got to love the genre first before you can kind of jump off of the, the, the stereotypical things in the genre, the tropes. Um, Cause if you don't understand those things and you don't love them, it comes off as cynical. It comes off as just kind of like, Oh, it's tongue in cheek and they don't really mean it. And they're kind of being silly about it. And 
to me, I'm like, no, you have to really fucking love the genre. You have to love what you're making and then go, yeah, but I'm going to tweak it and make it go this way instead of that way. You know, so. Yeah, it, like you said, you got you to gotta love it because then you fall into the realm. And we've seen these movies where people are just biting off of it because it's the popular thing. Right. And you're like, what? That that just left me unsatisfied. And it feels disrespectful, but yeah, I mean, it, it does feel like, yeah, your heart's not really in it and you guys are kind of just trying to make a quick buck and I get it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit, yeah. but at the end of the day, I'm like, I want people to, any, any movie I ever make and I, I want to fucking mean it first. You know, I want to be able to make a movie and go, I don't care what you say. Like, that's all me up there. That's, that's definitely my heart, my voice, like everything. And then people look at it and then they meet you and go, yeah, that's you. That that's that's fucking you up there. That's amazing. That's awesome. But uh, yeah, hopefully that comes across once once we're at the premiere and it's on DVD and every, out in the world. So, what do you think is gonna be the hardest part of doing um, doing the movie set in the eighties? Uh, the urge to populate it with a badass soundtrack because <laughs> uh, that's so expensive. <laughs> Um, you know, yeah. honestly, like it was one of those things where I was listening, like I've got, I've got a playlist in my back office where I just, I, I drive my kids and my wife crazy with, you know, looping music over and over again. And it's fucking St. Elmo's fire and, you know, Lost Boys <laughs> songs. Yeah. And to me, like I said, like that's what movies in the eighties had. They had awesome soundtracks. And to me, that that's the only thing that I look at with the movie. I'm like, we're just not going to be able to do that. Cause it's just so it, it the amount of money I, I inquired just to show you how far we were going to go with everything. I inquired, uh, cause one of our, our lead characters, Maggie, she's a film student. She's an eighties film student and she's a director and she's a damn good one. And she's got the classics up on her wall. And in the script, it's written that she's got a Jaws poster, you know, kind of in the background. And so I was like, how the fuck are we going to clear that? And so I actually called, or I didn't call, but I emailed out to like Universal and the, the property owners, the license owner, how you license it. And I was like, how much would it cost to just to have that poster in the background? And they were like, well, it starts at $1,000. And I was My like, God. yeah, I love Jaws, but not that much. And I'm <laughs> like, so I, I'd rather that 1000 go towards, you know, a day of shooting and, you know, put it somewhere else. You know, you, you know they, you, you think like... Everybody starts somewhere, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I, I get it. You you want your money. Right. I, I get it. I respect you for it. But my God, <laughs> when you made your money hand over fist. You were the first someone you're walked by you've, someone a thousand you've made some dollars. Money. Yeah, exactly. Holy crap. Just for a Jaws poster, just to show that. Yeah. Hey, you influenced me somehow. Right, and 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 again, it's just, it's it's out of love, but yeah, like it's one of those things where you you write things because you love them, but then the business yeah. the business kicks in, and you go, yeah, but in reality, is that going to be you know how are we yeah. going to do that? You know, you, you could go, probably, okay, you yeah, could probably get not, um, you could probably get Sharknado poster for free, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know what? I got an idea. Just have a shark, kind of like Jaws, but call it fins or <laughs> right, something. Something really <laughs> terrible, right? <laughs> well, and that's why we started to to go back and we started making our own posters. And I, I put up one of my daughter, uh, in, and it's supposed to be like a really shitty, in our in our world, it, it's kind of like almost like, what is it, Red Apple cigarettes with Quentin Tarantino? Yeah. It's like his little yeah, brand, yeah. Of, you know, whatever that is. 
So I went and I was like, you know what, then fuck it. We're going to make our own little universe and, and we're going to have, you know, there, there's this own little self-contained reality. And so in the background in one of the scenes we're going to actually have there's a poster for a movie called Fire Igniter instead of like Firestarter. And it's, oh, wow. and it's my daughter and it's, you know, it's her little cameo and, you know, there's fire around her. And, you know, it's, That's I tried awesome. to mock it up like a little shitty VHS, you know, cassette cover that, you know, you would have seen back in the day. And hey, you got got to do what you got to yeah. do, I and guess. To me, and to That's me, it's a more creative solution anyway. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah. It's a blessing in disguise because I get to put even more of me up there now. So, you know. Yeah. 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 This is so sp- speaking of music, what um, what type of music are you going to have in this in the film? Uh, you know what? I, I, I usually wind up waiting to the last second on that, to be honest with you, because I will tempt the shit out of a score. And I will sit there and I will choreograph, you know, to like, there, there's one bit in the movie that I've, I've kind of choreographed in my mind's eye towards, or, or the, the piece of music is uh, from Minority Report. And it's a, it's a piece of John Williams music. And I, I just, I love it. But I know we're never going to use that. We're not going to clear that, obviously. But that's the kind of like sound that I have in my head. But then once we get there and we shoot it and we start to edit it, it takes on a life of its own. And I have no idea what that is going to require of a soundtrack at that point. So like I said, so I, I know what my wish list sounds like. And so like I said, so I, I try not to get that far ahead of myself with music because I'm so terrible at music. Like I, I couldn't even explain like how things are supposed to sound. Really. So <laughs> I know what I hear, but I just, I can't explain yeah. it. So. But, uh, but yeah, music, like I said, it, it'd be great to have some of the things that I've got in my head, but it's just way too much money. What about the '80s wardrobe? How do you think that's gonna? How easy you think it's you know gonna what, be? You know what? Surprisingly get? well, like it's it's things have fallen into place. There were things that we already had in in stock anyway. We had some older jackets that kind of you know kind of fit the, the time period. But oddly enough, every twenty or thirty years, you get this weird cycle of everybody being nostalgic and everybody kind of going back to yep. what was cool thirty years ago when they grew up. And it just so happens that a lot of people are having. 80 style parties now and they're oh yeah let's have a big sweater party and let's do this so like you literally go to goodwill you go to salvation army and that is everywhere and it's like people just getting rid of their Mm -hmm. stuff and i'm just like oh this is all for me okay cool great and it's so easy to find stuff and then you look at um you know some of the other things that we've put them in one of the notes that i gave to the girls especially is i told them if you look at the posters this is kind of where we adhere to it told them, I said, you know, your last outfits, which is what they're wearing in the posters, I said, the, the outfits you have on for the, the last half of the movie, I told them, I said, honestly, I don't want them to be extremely time-specific. Like, I want people to be able to look at that and go, well, this could be now. You know, and, and it's, I want it to have a bit of a timeless kind of feel in terms of the costuming. Because if you look at some 80s movies, like, some things do translate even to today, and you're like, wow, that, no, that, that, I can see somebody wearing that today and it feels like a modern movie still. Um, but then obviously you see like big hair and stuff and you're like, Oh yeah, we're in 85. You know, yeah. 87, so. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've gotten really lucky with, with some of the fashion stuff. Like I said, we've been able to kind of pull out of nowhere and flea markets and stuff like that. So but. that's cool. So let's go back to the, the killer. Is it, is the killer going to have a talk or is it going to be a silent killer? Or can you know. say, you don't, I don't know. Okay. Know. <laughs> what do you think? What? Let, let's start there instead. I don't know. I'm kind of hoping he doesn't talk, but I feel like he probably will. 
<laughs> I'm thinking more of a silent. Yeah. That's what I, when I look at him, I think of, of him as, you know, like you said, you kind of drew the inspiration from Michael Myers. Right. Michael Myers doesn't say anything. Yeah. He just lets his weapon do the talking for him. Jason Voorhees, not a word. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I'll leave it at that. Okay. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so is the, hey, um, is the Indigo, is your Indiegogo campaign, is it still going on or is that one? Is he that actually one finished probably about a month and a half ago. Okay. Um, so we're, we're pretty much done there. Uh, we've had some people contact us privately and, and still want to come on as producers and stuff like that. So we've had, uh, we've still kind of honored some of the, the, the perks and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, like I said, we, we wrapped up and again, it's one of those weird karma things where like I said, it, it, for me personally, I always feel like well, if, if your head's in the right space and your heart's in the right place and your intentions are good, at some point the universe is going to take care of you. You know, we had pretty successful campaign. Like I said, we didn't get all the way to you know, where we needed to be, but we had enough to go, you know what, we can shoot, you know, the first seven eight days whatever the schedule will allow for at that point and then we'll figure out the rest and literally on the last day you know we had a, a producer uh, his name's thomas uh, parker he came out of literally nowhere and was just like hey you know can we talk privately and you know now he's going to be the main producer on the movie and he's he's Wow. taking care of quite a bit so like I said, nice. so we got so lucky with that that's awesome yeah and so like i said so it wasn't contributing to the, the indiegogo campaign but outside of that like we 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 met what we needed you know plus more so like i said so it's it, it's been a godsend so yeah that's pretty cool i got in on the um <clears throat> i got the uh information movie database uh whatever it's called <laughs> Whatever you call it there. Yeah. M -deba. The credit. Yeah. yeah, credit. I got that for the show. So that, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> uh, will you, now, will you still be offering, like, after the movie comes out, will the DVDs be for sale? Yeah. So that's that's going to be part of uh, moving forward. Like, part of the strategy is because uh, one of the things that I've learned from uh, from distribution, if you don't have the right distributor behind you, you're going to get fucked. Like, like, they're literally looking just to fuck you over sometimes. And it's like, you know, and they switch hands with the property so many times, and you're like, "Wait, where's my movie at now?" Like, and you know that they, they keep things away from you. So, like I said, so I I, I told Thomas, I told you know a bunch of our other producers, I want to have as much control as possible before we sign this over for distribution and we give it away to somebody else. Um, and part of that component is having things for sale the night of the premieres, the night of screenings, and going, "Oh yeah, that movie you just watched." you can buy it out in the lobby for, you know, 10 bucks or whatever the case is. And to me, that feels more special, you know, just being able to, to see the cast, meet the cast. They're there with you. You can talk to them about the movie and then they turn around and go, Oh yeah, you know, you can, you can buy the movie for your friends if you want and you can buy two or three copies. So, um, so we definitely want to have things like that plus posters and things like that. So it's, it's definitely part of the business plan moving forward is to have that stuff readily available the moment we have our first premiere. No, is it going to premiere in Pittsburgh? Uh, that will be the first one. Yeah. All right, I'm, I may so, have to drive up there for that. <laughs> well, where are you at? We'll come to you. I'm we'll in West Virginia. You. I'm in West Virginia. So you're not that far. Yeah, we'll come. No, down. no, it's not that far. Yeah, yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, I, honestly, like I said, we've already <laughs> talked about maybe doing like Cleveland, Philadelphia, uh, maybe having a couple in Washington D.C. Um, so I mean, like, we're we're not 
against driving and, and traveling at all. So like I said, so if you want us down in West Virginia, we'll, we'll be there. All right. Absolutely. Cool. We'll get that set up then. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, this was a, this was a good episode. Uh, before we wrap it up here, do you want to give some shout outs uh, to anybody or uh, give us some social media information? Literally no one deserves you? my shout outs. No. Okay. I don't, I, no. You guys invited me. I'm not going to let them piggyback on my time with you, you guys. No. No, I, honestly, like I said, I, if, if you are a fan of, of 80s horror movies, Massacre Academy on uh, Instagram, uh, Massacre underscore Academy, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Facebook's Massacre, Massacre Academy. There's a Massacre Academy official fan page out there as well. Um, like I said, mm-hmm. and look up our cast, look up our crew. They are some of the hardest working people I've met. And like I said, we're, we're just getting started. So. And thank you to all of our contributors that were on the Egogo campaign as well. Uh, like I said, we, we literally can't do any of this without them either. So thank you guys. Thank you guys for supporting everything that we do too. So, Yeah, no problem. Uh, it was a joy talking to you. Um, hopefully we can probably get you back on closer to the film's release. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'm sure we can probably encourage one or two of our actors to come on board as well. All right. That'd be nice. That'd yeah. be awesome. Thanks for having yeah. me, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh-huh.